This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Amanda Hart is an award-winning, smiling, shimmy queen from Kansas. For all you listening from outside of the U.S., that is right in the center of the U.S.A. A bit of a trip from the belly dance epicenters of New York and California, Amanda has done all kinds of fun dance adventures that she is going to tell us about, like being part of Sara Saida's journey through Egypt and Jelena's belly dance experience. So let's hear from Amanda Hart. Now it's spelled H-A-R-T, not heart like in your chest. So Amanda Hart from the heartland of the U.S. Amanda, do you have a danceable ritual that you'd like to share? Danceable ritual. I don't know if it would be considered a ritual, but I often will shimmy when I'm watching TV at home. You know, I'm not talking about like a five-hour binge-watching night, but that would be kind of a fun challenge. You know, watching a 30-minute show. When I started taking the Oriental-style belly dance classes, I struggled with the straight-leg shimmy. So every night for a couple of weeks, I would shimmy while watching a 30-minute episode of Friends, and that helped me develop a stronger straight-leg shimmy, and now it's my favorite shimmy. Aww. So a straight-leg shimmy... Is that mostly in your butt then? I'm trying to think of where the weight would be in that one. Well, I guess it's also called the Egyptian shimmy. So you have most of your weight in your heels, pelvis tucked, and knees kind of bent, but you're kind of bending and straightening those knees. And I would say in order to be this to be successful for someone, they need to already be comfortable with the correct belly dance posture, especially that pelvis tucked to keep everything in alignment. Because the last thing you want to do is drill into your body in proper posture for 30 minutes. unsupervised watching TV, right? (laughs) Right. You got the right posture first and then go for it. Yeah. I love doing that. You know, I'll alternate between all the different shimmies now. If one person's talking, I might focus on shimmying on my left leg and then another person talking, I'll shimmy on my other leg or maybe throw in the hip shimmy and just kind of change it up. And you're also enjoying your programming. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If somebody's listening to a podcast, they could do that too. If TV's not their thing. Right. The different sections of this podcast, the whole danceable ritual section, you can do your Egyptian shimmy and then the next one you can choo-choo or at least for the beginning of it. Right. Hopefully that next section is short. (laughs) Right. I have this like five part aerobic exercise situation that I've created where you do the choo-choo shimmy for part of it. It's a minute of choo-choo shimmy, which is hard for me, but I do uh, crazy legs or happy feet. I do happy feet because I do it for three rounds. So then at the third round, it's so hard for me to keep the choo-choo shimmy for the full minute. So I alternate with happy feet and I'm still getting that invigorating shaking, but I can hold it in my thighs. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That choo-choo shimmy. It's tough for even experienced dancers. You really have to practice consistently for that to build. It's like a mini mental marathon. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. That's great. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. Is there a danceable song you'd like to share? Yes, I love the song Nasam El Ana El Hoa 
by Ferruz. I think I said that right. Normally, I like the fun, cheerful, you know, upbeat, fast songs. But this song just pulls at my heartstrings and always gives me goosebumps. Even before I looked up the translation, just that song, I just love it. No matter how many times I listen to it, goosebumps all the time. And there's a live version on the CD Legend, The Best of Ferruz. And I love that version just because as soon as the music starts, you hear the crowd get really excited and you just kind of feel like you're there, like maybe listening to it live. And when she gets to the part, you know, that's what like the goosebumps really hit. I fight tears. Her voice is so beautiful, that section. And I'm not the best singer, so you'll have to ignore that. But that song, just every time it comes on, I can't stay still. I have to sway with it. I got to dance and I just sing with it, even though I'm a better dancer than I am a singer. (laughs) Actually, it was lovely hearing you sing that part. Oh, goodness. I hope I didn't butcher it. (laughs) But I just love it. Every time I hear it, I just have to sing with her. I love Firuz too. Oh, goodness. Yes. This year, I've really started to dig into the classics and dig into her music. And oh, I think she's my favorite. Sorry, Warda and Um Kalsum, but oh, she might be my favorite. Well, at least with Bintal Shalabia, she sings almost to a more Western ear. You know, Mm -hmm. which must sound very exotic for her audience, you know? Oh, yeah. Did you learn anything about the translation of the song? Yes. She's longing for something and you can just feel it. And I think that's the beauty of it. I'm scared my heart. Yes. To grow up in this estrangement. My home wouldn't recognize me. Wow. Yes. it's beautiful. When she sings the part, take me. Her voice. Take me home. Take me, take me home. Oh, I see. Yes. Like calling to the audience and then spinning and just internalizing it because you can just feel. You could feel it. The sun is still crying on the door and doesn't talk. And the love of home is talking. Take me home. Take me home. Take me home. That's so pretty. Oh, love, oh, love, that is flying in the breeze. There's a flower with energy. Take me to them, breeze. Yeah, there's definitely some love action in here. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. The love of home is talking. It looks like the love part is about home for love's sake. I've known some bands that have played this song too. I never really knew what it was about. Oh, yes. Cool. Nasem Alyan. How do you say it? Nasem Elane Elhoa. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly anyway. Yeah, Alane. Okay. And in here it's spelled A L A Y N A. So that'd be the tough part to spell, but the rest of it sounds like it's spelled mm-hmm. great. Thank you for that song. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about Sara Saida's Journey Through Egypt program. How did being part of that program impact the way that you dance? Well, so far I have only completed levels one and two of Journey Through Egypt, but I cannot wait to experience levels three and four because they're actually in Egypt. But the levels one and two have given me a better understanding of Egypt, you know, the different regions, remembering where all the main cities are, the different folklore styles and where they originated from and certain moves and costumes associated with the regions, the real life costumes and the stage costumes too. Sara walks 
through the six different tables. She calls them tables. They're kind of like categories and shows you how the dance evolves going through all those tables from the start at home style, going through local professional to the Reda troupe and Comea, and then to the Oriental stage. When you understand the history of the region and the moves, it's naturally going to impact the way you dance. And instead of just blindly following moves that dancers are typically including in their folklore piece, when you study folklore, you understand why those moves are in there. Maybe you realize you don't want to use particular moves because it's not authentic to the home style, or maybe you want to do more of a Retta style. And so when you know the difference, then you can choose wisely on how you want to portray it. And honestly, I had heard of the name Mahmoud Retta before JTE, but I didn't understand what he did for the dance. And to have Sarah explain all that, I have so much appreciation. And it's so sad that this year he passed away. And I wish I would have been able to listen to him at a workshop. But luckily, there's several people who have studied with him that can pass down his knowledge. What an amazing man. Before Journey Through Egypt, I didn't know what a Zephyr was. I didn't know the different regions or even a Mizmar or about the dancing horses, the Sabus, where it's the celebration of a baby turning seven days old. So I encourage everyone to at least take Journey Through Egypt 1 and 2 because Sara is a wealth of knowledge. The way she talks about her experiences and breaks down so much information in an easily understandable format, it will make your dancing so much more and deepen your love for Egypt. I got the belly dance bundle and Sara Saida's, I think it was filmed in Egypt, one of her presentations with costuming where she had models come out with the different costumes from the different different regions. Yes. With yes. different dress. It was so much fun to watch. Yes. It just gave me a little taste for what knowledge she's accumulated over all these years of her love for Egypt. I believe in college she met Farid. Farida, yeah, the woman who was the star in the Raida troupe. Yes. I think she met her at college and that, that's right. Yes. And she kind of pushed her to go to Egypt and I think to dance in Egypt too. But I just right. love hearing her story. During JTE, one of my favorite moments, she shows us one of the pom-pom headscarves that are worn. And then she pulls out something that gets sold to tourists and you see a clear difference. I mean, the one that they actually wear has a lot more of those pom-poms. You could just tell the one to tourists is so cheaply made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun to hear all of her stories. Tell me about the home style, one of the tables. Yes. Yeah, so the first table she talks about is home style. And I believe she calls that we dancing with us. You know, it's just that normal everyday dance in homes and parties and weddings. And each region has their own home style. Like this Thaidi section is going to have their home style differently than like the Delta area or like Port Said. So it's the normal everyday dance that they're doing in homes and parties and weddings. The home style is so much simpler than what we make it on stage because we got to jazz it up and shine it up a little bit on stage just because it is that bigger area. It's really just basic moves being repeated. Maybe even trying to outshine each other in the home in a fun loving manner just to celebrate the music that they know and love. I want to get Sarah Saeed on this podcast. I've been thinking about that for a while. Everyone would love to hear her. Oh absolutely. I could hear her talk all day long. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. What is one of your favorite belly dance moves that you can teach us to do right now? A fun move I like to include is a 
fast omi traveling to the ground and then when you're at ground level you lean forward slap in the ground and then spring back up with your hair flicking back I like that a fast Omi kind of is its own shimmy. I know you had Maheen on the podcast and I took a shimmy class with her and she talks about how the Omi is to shimmy when you do it fast enough, you know, so I love all kinds of shimmies. How fast your music is will determine how quickly you complete that Omi. But with this move, if I have a four counts section, I'll do an Omi on the one, the and, the two, the and, the three three, the and, and then because you're lowering to the floor with each Omi on four, you're going to lean forward to slap that ground and your hair's going to kind of follow forward. And then on the and you spring back up to your standing position with your hair following you. Kind of like you're doing that forward and back hair flick to get your hair out of your face. (laughs) I love including that hair flick just because it's so easy to get the hair out of the face and the audience doesn't know what I just did. That is great. I love my When she comes to Ithaca, she stays here in the room where I'm recording right now. (laughs) And we do show and we go to a workshop. And yeah, we were supposed to do a show a month after shutdown. So didn't see her. Yeah, I've been able to take a few of her classes online. And when I love listening to her interviews, her guests are always so fascinating. George Sawa, that was a really interesting one. And then I think she just did Vanessa of Cairo too. But she interviews a lot of really interesting people. And Maheen's website is bellydancequickies.com. You can look for Maheen and then you can get on her listserv and then you'll always see who she's interviewing. And Maheen's an avid listener of this podcast too, as well as being featured on it before Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? Alfalfa sprouts. Ooh, yeah. Have you had that one before? No, it hasn't been on the podcast before, but I love to sprout them. So this year I recently discovered alfalfa sprouts because I did this biome test where it will tell you some of your superfoods and some foods to avoid. And I had never heard of alfalfa sprouts, but it was on my superfoods. So I researched them and I will eat them plain, put them in salads, throw them in a bowl of soup. And they're really easy to sprout in your own kitchen. I'll take just a teaspoon of alfalfa seeds, put them in a mason jar. And I actually bought these little lids from Amazon that fit a wide mouth mason jar. They're specifically for sprouting so that you can easily rinse the seeds and then dump the water out. I'll put some water in to let those seeds soak overnight. Then you drain and rinse the seeds morning and evening for three days when keeping them out of the sunlight. Day four, you put them in indirect light. And then like five or six, you got these green things that are ready to be rinsed and eaten. And they have a very refreshingly light taste to them. My son even likes them. It's so fascinating, really easy to sprout in your own kitchen. You know, I kill my fair share of plants. So if I can do it, just about anybody can do it. (laughs) I love sprouting seeds to it. And of course, experimenting with them is really fun to see which ones you like and which ones are harder. Like broccoli sprouts. I've tried those and they stink. Have you ever tried those? No, I've tried radish sprouts. They're okay, but you can definitely taste that radish taste even in the sprouts. One thing I really want to try is the mung bean sprouts. I think they typically put that in like pho. Yeah. Yeah, the big ones. I want to try those Mm because I really like those. I can just eat those. And sunflower seed sprouts too. They get really nice and big. 
just like mung bean. It's really fun to watch them get long. Yeah. And I like to put a little bit of radish in my alfalfa seeds sometimes because mm-hmm. it gives it a little bit of a kick. Oh, but yeah. another awesome thing about sprouts is that there are so many local businesses that sprout them too. So if you're getting tired of what you're sprouting in your kitchen, especially in places that have winter like New York, you can often support a local business that's growing local greens in the middle of winter by buying sprouts from your co-op. I love that about sprouts. I didn't even think about that. That's a great idea. Because people will get like a van and start a sprouting business in a van or a trailer. I mean, it's such a cool thing. I have a friend, she's the local sprout lady, and there's just a room in her house that is full of trays and lights and just so cool. I'm so glad I discovered it this year. I love it. It's fun to do. I will sprout them at home and I feel good about it because I know the water that's touched it and I know Mm -hmm. no chemicals have been on it and where the seeds came from. So it just makes me feel a little bit better knowing that I helped sprout that. (laughs) Especially for kids. They love to see it grow. They can take ownership over rinsing it. And sometimes when I've had too many sprouts in my house, you ever make fresh rolls? No. Oh, it's so nice, right? With their rice paper wraps, you get the circles or the big pieces, like the, what's the shape of the Vietnamese piece? I think they're triangles. But yeah, you shove a bunch of sprouts in there and some tofu and some peanut sauce and they're just magic. Interesting. One basil leaf in the top to make it really pretty or some shredded cabbage or shredded carrot to make it colorful. Yeah. I'll have to try that. That sounds yummy. Oh, it's so good. And like you can just have these rice paper wrappers in your house at any time. You don't have to deep fry them. You just put them in water and then wrap things up and it's all of a sudden a fancy dinner. (laughs) Hand rolls, fresh rolls. Awesome ingredient to highlight. Thank you. I see that you are part of Jelena's Belly Dance Experience, Wizard of Oz show, which is so darn cute, especially because you are from Kansas. What was it like to work with Jelena? Nothing I ever expected. I'm still amazed. Day one, you really see that Jelena and her co-directors for it, which are Luna and Jill, are there with love for dancers. I mean, they are there to help you grow and experience this awesome theatrical show that you get to be part of. Each rehearsal day started with a circle time where we all sat down on the floor in a circle and Jelena would give us a question and we'd all go around and give our answer. And it was a really nice way for us to relax, get centered before rehearsals, open up and get to know each other and show gratitude. And Jelena and the co-directors always incorporated a team-oriented view. And there was always the feeling that we were a team and we were building each other up. You really feel connected to the other dancers in a way that normally takes years to form. You build these friendships. I hear friendships that have been built from Belly Dance Evolution. And then I see the friendships that I've built doing the Wizard of Oz show. And it really comes from Jelena and her team leading us with genuine love from the very beginning. And one of the fascinating things that I really thought about after the experience is I really loved how even during the solos for a lead character, there are always other dancers on stage with you incorporated into that solo. So it really highlights that team feeling, you know, and there were even moments where the lion, the tin man, Dorothy and Scarecrow met the Wicked Witch for the first time. And we all run scared and huddled on the back part of the stage. And it's bonding for the character, but also for you in real life too. Because when you're on that stage, you really just dive into it. You're that character. 
character. And then you're running from the Wicked Witch with these other people who are running too. And playing that character takes over your real life and just bond with the other dancers. Oh my goodness. So there was a moment when we were rehearsing the Scarecrow solo in front of Jelena. And I had really practiced with one Asaya. And she asked if I could dance with two Asayas. Well, I was not going to tell Jelena no. So I said, I have not but I will. So she showed me some ways to incorporate the double and Asaya into the choreography. So I went back to the Airbnb, watching YouTube videos and practicing the different ways to incorporate it into the choreography. And I'm so glad because some of my favorite parts from that choreography are with the double Asaya. I love that push that she gave. Jelena is really an incredibly hardworking and talented dancer and creative director, inspiring dancers to think outside the box. I love that several of of her shows have had a prop used differently than the norm, but also could be incorporated into the storyline or a costume in a fascinating way. Really outside the box thinking, I can't wait to be able to audition for it again and work with Jelena and Jill and Luna. It's a lot of hard work. But the way that Jelena and her team leads it is so fun, so informative. You always learn something. And it's an experience that I am forever grateful for. Very cool. I love that she travels around doing that. Casey Chai mentioned being part of Jelena's Belly Dance Evolution in the interview that I did with her. And it really piqued my interest because Casey is also a very theatrical choreographer and producer as well. So I'm like, oh, Casey loved it. That had to be a whole different experience too because Casey's put on shows all over the world too. She had a birthday party on Zoom and her musician's friends played live music while we sketched each other. You would pin each other on the video and you didn't know someone was pinning you and sketch each other to live music. It was so cool. That was what she did for her birthday. <laughs> That's part of our belly dance community, right? All these amazing creative people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Experiences. It's so great. So double Asaya. Asaya is a stick dance, right? Yeah, stick or cane. I've just gotten into the habit of using the word Asaya, but yep, stick or cane. Yeah. So double stick. Did you have one in each hand? Yeah, for part of it. Most of my choreography was done with one. And then there's a moment where Dorothy hands me the other one. And then oh. I'm dancing with two. And then I kind of hand it back to her. And then we finish our ta-da moment. <laughs> now we're friends. Cool. Right. Now we're friends. Yeah. Which character were you in the show? I was the scarecrow. They tell you that you got in and, you know, you do your own celebration. And then it's biting your nails like, ooh, what part did I get? And I think I screamed when I saw that I was a scarecrow. I mean, my office heard me so they knew the screen was good <laughs> but oh my goodness that was a fun moment I couldn't believe it I'm just so grateful for it oh wonderful in 2018 you danced in your first belly dance competition and won first place and the people's choice award I mean that's wild and you've kept competing what are a few ways that competing has improved your belly dance it has helped me keep a consistent practice better than if I was just going to perform at a Hofla because you're paying that competition fee. So anytime you got money involved, you're a little bit more committed <laughs> to working and practicing as hard as you can. But really overall, it helped me keep that consistent practice. And that's big because consistency is key. My favorite quote is a little progress each day adds up to big results. I saw what I was working towards and it helped me keep going. A lot of people will do those competitions to get feedback. And I love 
love the feedback too. Some of the judges will give you more than others, but really I did it for me. And I think that's how people should use the competitions is to be better than the dancer that you were yesterday. The day after a competition, I'll ask myself, did I prepare and dedicate enough time to practicing that I'm proud of my performance? Ideally, I want my answer to be yes, but there's been times I said no. And so then I know I have to work harder. And another thing that I love about competing is meeting the other dancers in the dressing room. Then of course, that's any show. You'll have dancers you can talk to in the dressing room. But really backstage of a competition, we're all shimmying while we're talking to each other and getting to know each other. <laughs> we're all kind of nervous. But we're complimenting each other's costumes. And if somebody needs some flash glue, you've got three other people saying, here, I've got some. I love that feeling. Now, I could just be lucky that I've never experienced unfriendly dressing room. But so far, one of my favorite things is just to be able to have that time to get to know the other dancers. And then it's fun to see them at another competition, you know, because then you see a friendly face that you haven't seen in a while. I love that. But that's kind of the belly dance community in general anyway. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun people. There's this story. There's a hermit living outside of a village and he sees a traveler coming and the traveler says, what is the village like up ahead? And the hermit says, where are you coming from? And the traveler says, oh, the village back there, the people were very mean and closed off. And the hermit says, ah, okay, in the next village, you will find more of the same. And then the next traveler comes and they go, oh, what's the village like up ahead? And the hermit says, ah, where are you coming from? And the traveler says, oh, this village back here, people let me in their homes. They fed me. They took care of me. It was amazing. And the hermit goes, yes, the next village, you'll find more of the same. I can see your energy, Amanda, and I can feel your smile in your voice. You're going to create what you want to create where you're going. In the whole competition space, I think if people are being more scarcity, more like all about me, more ego, they're going to find more of that. But it sounds like you went to these competitions. Like I'm going to meet friends and I'm going to shibby all the time and I'm going to have a good time. And you just created that. Aw, I love the example that you gave. But yeah, really, we're all there to have a good time. You know, we're all nervous. Why make it worse than it has to be? You know, there's no reason to. You might as well just enjoy everybody's company. <laughs> Very good. So consistent practice was a big benefit of competing. Yes. Especially if you're doing a competition, you want to have that choreography down to muscle memory so you can really focus on the feeling of the music while you're dancing on stage because nerves will get you. At least for me anyway, I'll dance for a hundred years. I'm still going to be nervous on stage, <laughs> but it's a fun nervous. I can't get enough of it. I took a few classes with Melissa Gamal and she says choreography should have ease and flow that looks like improv and improv should be polished enough to look like choreography. I love that because you don't want to look like you're just focused on what's the next set of moves. You really want to look like you're portraying the music, even though you've heard it 150 times. You just need to be the music on stage. And some people like Jill Parker, for example, her choreography is just so good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the flow. The only thing I can do in this next move is use my foot right here. The choreography just feeds itself. Yeah, that's yeah. a superpower. Let's play dress up. Make you shine costume tip. What is one costume tip you want to share? 
I learned from belly dance evolution experience, two hooks and a snap, you know, especially to make sure your costume doesn't go anywhere. And then I like to also include carpet tape. I don't know if you've ever heard of carpet tape. You get that at the hardware store. Super sticky. A few of my past teachers have used it to keep the bra in place. I always feel secure with all those in combination because the last thing I want is a wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) So carpet tape, you put it on your skin? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's double-sided. So I pull one side off. I put it into my bra and then I pull the other side off and stick it to the skin. And if you have accessories, maybe a bracelet or necklace doesn't stay very well. It keeps kind of flopping around. Just put that on underneath it and it helps to stay. Yeah, really just anything. I've been using it for years and I always have to have it with me. So it comes right off your skin too? Your skin doesn't get irritated with it when you're done with it? I don't think it gets irritated, but it can be painful to take off sometimes, (laughs) but I am willing to go through that pain to make sure that the costume stays in place. (laughs) God, I've looked at some people's jewelry and even just for a photograph, I'm like, how did that go in the right spot? But okay, so maybe they're taping it down. Yeah, they could be. Carpet tape. Awesome. Sarah Beyer in the interview I did with her, she was talking about double-sided tape. Carpet tape sounds like it's a little more even heavy duty. Oh, I was trying to think of a costume tip that I haven't heard. I have not heard that episode yet. Well, I'm a little bit behind on the podcast. And so I was trying to listen to as many as I could to make sure I didn't repeat anything. I have a costume storage tip. I love the carpet tape. What's your costume storage tip though? My interest is peaked. Oh, it's not too fancy, but I couldn't figure out how I wanted to store my costumes. I tried those plastic bins. I tried hanging them up. And then I even tried to put them in the large Ziploc bags. Do whatever you want, but don't do that one because the costumes can get a smell from it. It's not breathable. But what I did was I bought one of those Ikea Calex shelves, you know, where they have those wide squares. And then you can just put one of those fabric boxes that slide very easily in and out. But I use that. So in each of those fabric squares, I can fit two to four costumes and I'll just kind of gently roll the skirt down and then I just put the bra on top. My cat can't get into it. That's a big thing. You know, I don't feel like anything is getting stretched if I'm hanging it because I personally like the stretchy elastic skirts that have all the embellishments already on them. I'm not too much of a belt and skirt kind of thing, but I do have a few of those. But I just like using that system because I can pull it out quickly, see which one I want to use and then take it out. Nice. Yeah, those collapsible box things are amazing. Yeah. And Ikea has so many pretty colors. They even have this little unit that sits in those squares where it's like a three-drawer compartment. So I keep all my dance jewelry in one of those too. I was never a big Ikea person, but I have to admit that's my dance closet right there is Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Someday I'll walk into an Ikea. I don't even know what that's like. Gosh, it just makes you want to reorganize and redo your whole entire house. (laughs) I better not go in there. It can be scary because I want to do so much. And then I'm like, I can't spend that kind of money. I made the mistake. Somebody got me a feng shui book once and I I almost burned it. I was like, you know, back when I was renting different apartments too, I can't change where the toilet is in this place. What direction? Come on. Yeah. Maybe I should stay at Ikea too. (laughs) I didn't know they go so deep as like making sure the toilet's in the optimal spot. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things. I'm like, I'm not building the house. Yeah. There's rules about that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, great costume tips. Thank you. You love podcasts. 
what would you like to see more of in this podcast so that I can help more dancers become the greatest versions of themselves? Okay, that's a hard question. (laughs) If I could think of something, I would. But I like how it's structured. You have a variety of guests and the different sections are fun. And you've had some great guests on the podcast where they talk about music that they listen to. I love hearing that because I'll discover a song that I've never heard, but it's really fun. Or it's a song that I should have already known, but somehow I never discovered it. There's so much variety in this podcast that it would be hard to have it get old. It's always interesting. But if I was going to give a tip, I would really suggest that listeners take notes. Just write it down because I'm always going back to my notes. And when you take a workshop, you're taking notes. Podcasts are a great way to get more knowledge. And it comes to you in your phone. You could just go for a walk and you're learning something new. I do like when you break down the songs. You've had a couple episodes. I like that. You break down the well-known songs like Lamabada. You broke that one down. That was cool to learn when the singer sings, Amon, Amon. You know, how you talk to the musician and the musician spoke about how in that particular song, it's more of like a longing. I believe that's what you said anyway. (laughs) That's exactly what, yeah. I'd have to check my notes. (laughs) That's awesome that you take notes and you remember things. So more of the songs. My husband makes fun of me. He's like, you have a podcast about something that's completely visual and not part of talking dance, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but there's parts of dance we talk about and talking about the music I think is so valuable. So I'm really glad you like that part. And the sections too, because that takes so much more work, man. All these podcasts that I love that are just straight up interviews where they don't break it up into chunks. They're great, but I want to walk away with something. So that's why I take the time to make it like this. So yeah, well, and just making a goal to take away one thing from one episode of a podcast, that would just make it an easy goal because there's always something new we can learn from anything. We can always learn one new thing, right? And we can stress ourselves out by thinking we have to take more than one thing. But if you take one thing, your life is going to become more rich every time. So great point. Just one thing. All right. You have collaborated with the fabulous and community-driven dancer, Joe Boring. We featured Joe back in episode 35 of this podcast, talking about ITS and contagiously fun shows. I love how you mentioned that Joe is such an asset to the belly dance community, and I completely agree. Just wanted to add that this interview was recorded in September of 2020. What are some ways you think that the belly dance community has changed since COVID began? I think a good thing to come out of this situation is you have access to instructors around the world when it started. I was excited but felt a little overwhelmed by the amount of all the classes that I wanted to take with all these wonderful teachers that they were putting onto the internet. You know, so there's so much out there that I wish I could have taken and there's so much more that I want to take. I've got so many teachers that I have on my list that I want to take from because they're not in my area. And so in a sense, this was a blessing that you could do that. I mean, there was... A few teachers that you could have before COVID, but it really forced a lot of teachers to go online. And one of the really community driven things I felt is when COVID first hit, you saw a lot of teachers were doing community classes, pay what you can, you know, discounted workshops. And I think that was a really lovely thing because I'm sure they were struggling financially too. I'm lucky that I had an essential day job. So I wasn't really feeling that financial strain, but I loved how they were trying to keep everybody up 
uplifted during that time. And you saw a lot of cool challenges on Instagram popping up. That was really fun. But I think another thing that the community really understood is the importance of self-care. This is a time where we're all kind of anxious. Even if we do have an essential job, everything is still kind of anxious because it's all these changes. And so I really saw a lot of people understanding the need to have self-care and to take time for that, whatever it may be for some people. I know for me, it's been hiking with my son in the trails in our areas because I just needed to go out to see and feel nature. People had to adjust with everything and maybe they weren't dancing as much as they wanted to. They just had to forgive themselves and just be a little bit more lenient with themselves because this is a tough time. Even if maybe it doesn't look like it on the outside, we're all struggling with different emotions in our mind. You've got so many changes of school and work and internet going out, all kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so really, I think it showed that everybody just needs to be a little bit easy on themselves. Great point about how many community classes and pay what you can classes different teachers were putting online. That yes. was a really beautiful reaction. Yeah. I loved seeing that. Now, one thing though, I am wondering, what do you think the future of belly dance festivals will be uh, now that we know that things can work online? So I'm a little scared of that because I like traveling to the festivals. I like seeing people in person. I like giving them hugs and meeting new people and hanging out with them. What do you think the future of them are going to be? I've got best case scenario, most likely case scenario, and worst case scenario. (laughs) Worst case scenario, they're all online and there's going to be just a couple a year, you know? Most likely case scenario, I think there's going to be a combination of online and in person. And best case scenario, there's going to be more of both. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they do have that option. And maybe that helps festival organizers maybe even make money as opposed to losing money or breaking even because they can offer in person classes or if you can't join then you have the online version so hopefully it works out for them because I know they always are struggling well I'll tell you what I went to a Tony Robbins event in December and it was 5,000 people and I think I actually had COVID at that event I think I was coughing on everybody (laughs) but at that point I didn't even think to not interact with everybody right hilarious I mean, so many people got sick after that event. I remember seeing the messages go around and then everything shut down, right? And he did another event online, which, you know, it was like $10,000 a person or something like that. I can't remember business mastery, but they charged the same amount and they had more people attend. Wow. Interesting. And isn't it fascinating? They had a really smart way that they did it. You could get a full refund if you had bought the event when you thought it was going to be an in-person event, or you could surrender that refund option and attend the online event and an in-person event. They created value out of nothing. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that it's a lot more of these amazing events that inspire us and a lot less of the meetings and the horrible workshops and all those things that are so boring and you don't learn anything at all, but you're just required to go to, I'm hoping those all disappear. Because <laughs> they could, they might, they might be phased out and replaced with things that are inspiring enough to actually do together. That's my hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit you would like to share? I would say own the stage. If you do not feel confident, you won't look confident. I think everybody kind of already knows that, but there's a lot of confidence stealers that can happen on stage. If you're not wearing a costume that's fitting correctly, or if you forget a part of your choreography and you're still not used to your body take it over at that 
spot. Or it even could be you think you saw a negative look in the audience. There's so many different things that can steal your confidence and you don't want to give into those. Oh, one quote that I heard this year and I just love it. So it can go for that negative look that you think you saw in the audience is a negative look from someone else may mean nothing more than they're constipated. So now I'm just going to go around. If I see somebody mean mugging me, well, maybe they're just constipated. But it's really before you go out on stage, just take that breath. Just own it. Own that stage and just go out there. Do the best that you can. Just be the music and just do it. And then you can find the kind eyes in the audience, right? That dancer who's always in the audience at your shows and always smiling at you and paying attention to your every move and would never look at their phone unless they're taking a picture they're going to send you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, when I'm in the audience, I always try to keep the smile on my face because I always want to make that dancer on stage feel comfortable. Maybe they can see my face. Maybe not. But yeah, you always just want to make them feel comfortable on stage. Well, that and as an audience member, you enjoy the show more. Yeah. Right? If you're oh, yeah. sitting there engaged, smiling, yeah. like really excited about what's going to happen. Oh my God, I can't wait to be at a show again. Right? <laughs> <I just keep laughs> talking about being in the audience. I'm like, ah, my heart. Yeah. The whole dancing online, I see the importance of it. I miss dancing for the audience. And it's not the same when I'm dancing for my phone. <laughs> it's just right? not... I was watching one of the online showcases the other day and they got really good camera work involved. I don't know if this is a new thing with a lot of, but I was like, oh, they actually got someone to come and operate the camera for them and make it interesting. All right, people are just going to keep on stepping it up and making it a little bit more like the audience has a choice in their viewpoint. Yeah. You know, but I just want to be surrounded by instruments. Oh, yeah. You know, these musicians in my town that are so talented, and I just keep on trying to figure out ways to get them to play outside together. I got a really good group on Friday that I've been coaxing into playing outside for months now. So I think it's going to happen. I saw an Instagram that you had posted where you were dancing with the frame drum, and then I think you had an oud player too. I think that was an yeah, oud. my buddy Phil. Mm-hmm. Yep, he plays oud, and he just got a new. Saz. I think he was playing the Saz in that video too. Ah, oh, I bet that is just so relaxing. And the fact that you are part of a band and you just get them together during this time is so wonderful. It's precious and they're so scared. It's been really interesting because we're in New York and people have been terrified about Cornell University being back in session and Cornell kids come and being close to each other. I've been so excited that the students come back because they bring so much life to our city. So I've been really sensitive to the musicians I play with and their fear levels, but I keep on getting them together to play music. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm very grateful for them. Very grateful to be part of that. I hope that feel good, look good habit works. Heck yeah, on the stage. I kind of struggled with that one a little bit. I was like, just keep it simple. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't have to be something crazy. I love that because sometimes people have a mean look on their face and it's nothing you did. That's just how they looked. (laughs) So even if it is something you did, it's their look. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Even if something pisses me off, it's not pissing me off. I decided to be pissed off on some level. You know what I mean? I think that's the most precious stuff too, is when you can work through somebody else's funk. How old is your child, Amanda? He is 10. He's 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what being a mom to a 10-year-old is like. Oh, my goodness. He's kind of at that in-between stage where he still loves his mom and he wants to talk and hang out with me and give me hugs and kisses. But then he's slowly wanting his own time. Mom, 
I just need a little bit of me time. And I say, okay, you take that time. <laughs> I'll let you know when dinner ready. Um, I haven't had that time in 10 years. It's yours. <laughs> right. And he's starting to kind of get a little attitude that I've got to correct every now and then. Mom, you made me lose the game. No, I didn't make you do anything. You lost that game. <laughs> so it's very interesting. How old is, do you have a son? Yeah, he's almost four. Oh, yeah, that's a really cute age. Yeah, I just, I'm just praying that it'll always be a cute age. <laughs> but I was not always cute to my mom. Maybe I was. I should ask her. I was curious how old your son was, too. Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Well, I am excited. It's in October of 2021 is the Heart of America Festival that happens here in Kansas City. Teresa Mays is the director of it. And it's been a joy to help her with that. I get to see more of the stuff that you got to do to organize a festival. So she's a great mentor in that aspect. I believe it's October 8th through the 10th of 2021. Jelena's going to be there. So she'll be in the land of Oz. And Camilla of Cairo and Najla, they both from Egypt. So that's something to look forward to. And here's a little update regarding the Heart of America Belly Dance Festival for 2021. It will be online in October. So all of us can go without even going to Kansas, which is great. You can get the details on the Heart of America Belly Dance Festival Facebook page as well as heartofamericabellydance.com. I've got my fingers crossed that we can get back to those in-person festivals and get to see each other and enjoy learning that way. I'm really looking forward to that. But something closer in the future, I kind of did a little impulse COVID buy and I bought one of those beautiful two-tiered candle trays from Gula Abdu. I think that's how you pronounce it. So I'm really excited to dance with that because I've wanted one for a while. And I said, you know what? Why wait any longer? I'm just going to do it. So I bought one of those. So I'm really excited to be able to test that and dance with that. Cool. I bought palm torches. I can't wait to light them on fire. Oh, fire. (laughs) I guess that's maybe 2020s. (laughs) It's just fire. Double trays, two-tiered trays. I haven't even seen that. I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, they're just beautiful. They've got the jewels and the crystals on them and just beautiful. I just can't wait to dance with one. (sighs) Very cool. Well, Amanda Hart, it has been so wonderful to see part of your heart on this podcast (laughs) and hear your positivity and your light. And I just really want to thank you for being a listener of A Little Lighter and for also being part of the belly dance community and the fun that we have. And I can't wait to see you dance more. Oh, thank you. And I really enjoy listening to your podcast. So it's just awesome. It's surreal that I actually get to be a guest on it. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I truly appreciate it appreciate it. You're welcome. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.